on behalf of the Media Ministry of Remnant Student Ministries. Thank you for listening to this recording of our Wednesday night worship service. It is our prayer that the anointed message of our leaders will not only bring encouragement to you, but inspire you as well to a greater love and service of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are Remnant. You are Remnant. Thank you for what you've already done in this place. Lord, I thank you for I thank you for the renewal that you've brought to the hearts that needed it, Lord. Lord, I thank you that that your throne is built on our praises, Lord, and our praises just cause our worries to just flee. Father, you're so good for what you've done in this place already, Lord. Lord, thank you for letting your anointing come over this worship group and just touching us tonight, God. Lord, I thank you for an encounter, not just an experience. Lord, I thank you that that there's no possible way if we open ourselves up to you that you won't come. I thank you that that when we encounter your presence, God, that we have to leave changed. Father, just open the eyes of our heart right now and open, open our ears, Lord, to receive a word that you desire to give to us. Lord, and let everything else that happens in this place tonight be done under your glory. And Jesus, I just pray that your name be glorified in all that we do. In your mighty name, Jesus, amen. Wow, thank you, God. Thank you, God. I thank you for your goodness, God. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for bringing conviction into our hearts and making us aware of the wrong that we've done to you. Father, have your way right now. Have your way right now, Lord. Open up our hearts. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just everyone just, just whisper the name of Jesus right now. Just keep just keep repeating the name of Jesus. Jesus. There's so much power in that name. There's so much power in that name. There's power in the name of Jesus to destroy strongholds that we can't even see. To destroy supernatural things that that the enemy has tried to build against us. All it takes is, is the name of Jesus. That's all it takes. Wow. Ephesians chapter 1, I'm just going to read this whole, this whole set of scripture because we really need to understand how much God truly loves us and how, how like marvelous God's plan is for our lives because I think sometimes we get it in our hearts and we feel like we're just in a tug of war battle 
and, and God's fighting for us and then the enemy is fighting against us and we're just constantly being pulled back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But there's no fight. It's already won. There's victory in the name of Jesus through the blood of Jesus. The battle has already been won. And, and here's the thing too. If there was a battle going on between God and Satan, it would have been long over. I don't think it would have lasted very long to begin with. We, we heard this in our men's Bible study last night, but, but if God who spoke and the worlds were created, if, if God who breathed into dust and a man sprouted up, if that's the God that we serve, then what makes you think that he couldn't speak one other word and Satan just vanish right then and there? No. There's no battle going on. The victory is already won through the blood of Jesus. Understand that. I say it a lot, but, but we don't have the right to wake up and have a bad day because he already had the worst day. And he gave us victory through that worst day. Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the God, of, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, Think, think about that. He chose us before the foundation of this world. In his mind, in God's mind, in God's mind, he knew that you were going to be here tonight. Ashley, he knew that you were going to be here tonight. And he knew that you were going to be here. And he was just going to encounter you with his love tonight. He knew that you were going to be born and you weren't going to just live a life you weren't just going to be another statistic, but you were going to be a child of God. He predestined us for greatness. He predestined us for life, for victory. The verse before that, he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I, I can't even talk about that because I can't explain that. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, a renewed mind, a, a life lived not unto sin but unto God. We're no longer a slave to sin but a slave to righteousness. Every blessing, the authority to speak and God hear you. The authority to bind, the authority to loose, the ability to, to request God of things. The ability to hear God. Who knows that we can hear God's voice? The ability, every spiritual blessing. The Holy Spirit speaks to us what he hears from the Father. You know, I love when people call me a Jesus freak. Because I am a freak about Jesus. Because he paid everything to give me everything. See, this world especially the generation that we have now, 
You guys know all the TV shows they have, like the Supernatural, the Teen Wolf, the, the vampire shows. Everything is all about the supernatural and how cool this is. Do you guys know that he's blessed you with every spiritual blessing, every supernatural blessing? When, when God comes into your heart, the, the supernatural comes into the natural and just makes you have the same authority and power that he does. We, we can't even grasp that in our minds. We can't even think, we can't understand what that means. But I do know that, that the same God who did breathe into that dust and a man sprouted up lives right here. That same God that said, let there be light, and there hasn't stopped being light. And it shot out of his mouth at, this is an estimation, I, it's like 186 million light years, 186 million light years, I, that's just an estimation, but light shot out and it hasn't stopped. See, see, again, we live in a generation that, that loves science, they love the scientific side of things. Well, you can't scientifically prove to me that God is not real, because scientifically, I look at this world, I look at the statistics that scientists try to show me, and I say, how can you not believe there's a God? Just go outside and look at how beautiful the world is that we live in. In love, he predestined us for adoptions, adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. I began to do a word study on redemption. And the word redemption means the action of gaining or regaining that which was lost. See, because the minute that Adam grabbed that fruit from that tree or Eve grabbed the fruit from the tree and ate of it, our identity was gone. Man was created in the image of God, but ever since that happened, man was created in the image of Adam. Man was created into darkness, into sin. But thank God for redemption. Because he regained the identity that was lost when he paid the price at Calvary. He regained our identity which was lost. See, the biggest problem we have in the church today is a lack of identity, is we don't know who we are in Christ. We get hurt by one another in the church. See, we're supposed to be in the world but not of the world. But often you, you look around in the church and it looks just like the world except they're raising their hands and praising Jesus. And it's because we don't know who we are. See, because if you knew who you are, who you were doesn't even matter. If you know who you are, who you were does not even matter. If you know that you're a son, then your sin has no hold life on you, no hold on your life. If you know all the promises and all the blessings that you have in Christ, then there's nothing that anyone can do to you that will ruin your day. 
See, a lot of the times we get hurt by church people, and we get hurt, and we're like, how could they do that to us? How could they do that? They're supposed to serve the same God that I serve. And, and I mean this out of complete love. Don't, don't think that I'm being arrogant right now. But I just want to say, how could you be hurt by that? No matter what anyone did to Jesus, it did not change who he was. And he's still changing lives today. Understand that he died over 2,000 years ago, and he's still changing lives today. But nothing that anyone did to him could change him. So why are you letting your brother or sister in Christ hurt you? Because if they're hurting you, then you don't know who you are. And if they're hurting you, then they don't know who they are. See, I want, I want to handle this identity crisis that we have in the church. Through one man's sin, all were born into transgression. But through one man's sacrifice, all were born into righteousness. It's Romans 5. It's in your Bible. Read it. It's a great chapter. In him we have the redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. See, see, I know a lot of people want to put the whole, and I, I'm treading lightly, don't take anything that I say and take it out of context because I'm not meaning it at all. But all you ever hear about in the church is that Christ died for you because you're a sinner. Am I right? All we ever hear is Christ died for you because you're a sinner. But he died for you to make you a saint. And, and he wouldn't have died for something that wasn't worth it. So don't defeat yourself by saying, well, I'm only a sinner, brother. Don't defeat yourself like that. Christ died for you because he knew your true identity. Because he knew that deep down in your heart, you weren't a sinner. You were just born into it. The minute you were conceived in your mother's womb, the Psalms say you were born into iniquity. Guess what? The Psalms were BC. They were before Christ. I still came out of my mother's womb born into iniquity. But the minute I gave my life to him, my identity was completely flipped and transformed. So don't sit there and tell yourself over and over again, well, I'm only a sinner. Christ died for me because I'm a sinner. No, Christ died for you because your identity is the image of God. Christ died for you to give you your rightful inheritance back. His blood gave us the redemption. Forgiveness was always offered in the Old Testament. It was by the blood of animals. Forgiveness was offered every sin that you committed. But your conscience could never be clean. You would always go right back into sin. And if we don't be careful, if we keep, if we keep telling ourselves, oh, I'm only a sinner, then pretty soon we'll get caught up in a Romans 7 lifestyle where we do what we don't want to do and our heart doesn't want to do it, our mind doesn't want to do it, but we do it anyway because our flesh can't hold itself back. I understand Romans 7 is in the Bible. 
I understand that it's there. But I also understand that a lot of the false grace movements that are coming up are using that one chapter in the entire New Testament to justify sin. And Jesus never justified sin. When, when he healed the blind man and wiped the mud on his eyes, what did he say to him after he did that and after the blindness was gone? He said, sin no more so that nothing worse may happen to you. What did he say in, in John chapter 8? The woman that was caught in adultery. He said to everyone that was there that was trying to stone her, he said, you who has no sin, you cast the first stone. See, understand, Jesus had the right to cast the first stone because he had no sin in him. And they all dropped their stones and they walked away. I just watched the visual Bible the other day. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of it. But it's the Gospels. You can watch the Gospels word for word acted out. It's phenomenal. And when you see that scene take place, you can't help but cry. Because then he helps her up. And he says, woman, look, where are your accusers? And she said, there's none. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. See, forgiveness was offered through the blood of animals, but redemption was offered through the blood of Christ. Our identity is back. We are children of God, and we're dead to sin and alive to righteousness. See, I have, I have a feeling, I have a thought that if we all knew our identity we would have a lot less altar calls in the church and we would have a lot more praise and worship going on because we know the price that was paid for us and we know who we really are inside. I know I'm being repetitive and I'm pounding this because, because if I can ever impart one thing into your guys' hearts and your minds is that just read your Bible and read it as a child of God. Read it knowing who you are. Read it not thinking, oh, I'm a sinner, so this stuff doesn't apply to me. Read it. Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask your Father in heaven to just reveal himself to you and reveal your identity to yourself. Because if I'm standing up here and you're not getting it, then I guarantee you he'll show you what it is. I'm just going to read the rest of this because I'll keep talking about identity all night long. In him we have obtained an inheritance. We're rightful heirs to the throne along with Christ. We're a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people for his own possession. Oh, that's so good. Thank you, God. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. See, I love that because it's so personal. 
It's not just the God in, in, in Ephesians right now. He's not just saying the gospel of salvation. He's saying the gospel of your salvation, of your salvation, of your salvation. I feel like Oprah right now. You get heaven. You get heaven. You get heaven, and you get heaven. Because it's true, it's the gospel of your salvation. There is nothing that anyone on this earth can do to take it away from you. But I'll tell you what, you can take it away from yourself. Let your past condemn you and fall back into sin. And I'm not, I'm not up here preaching a doctrine of perfection, but I'm preaching a doctrine of purity. And the thing about purity is that no matter what you do, even when you do stumble, for one, it doesn't cause you to fall. And for two, it condemns your heart right away. See, we're still in the flesh, so I understand we stumble sometimes, but we are dead to sin. See, Jesus isn't in the business of sin management. He's in the, the business of, of killing sin. He doesn't want to manage your anger. He doesn't want to manage your, your lust, your, your immorality. He doesn't want to manage your depression. He doesn't want to manage your loneliness. He doesn't want to manage your brokenness. He wants it all to be dead with him, crucified on the cross. So you can, you can stand up. I, I've been really studying water baptism lately, and it is phenomenal, you guys. It is phenomenal. I'm, I got to go to Romans 6 right now because the description that, that Paul gives in this book. Romans 6, starting in verse 5. Never mind, starting in verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. You're going down dead. You're going, when you're getting baptized, you're going down dead. Boom, you hit the water, you go under. That's why I'm a huge fan of baptism by submersion. I don't know about the whole sprinkling thing because I want to be held under that water so long that I'm dead. I want the bubbles to stop. Come on. Let me baptize someone. Oh. You're dead. You go down just as Christ went into the grave. And then boom. You're up. New life. Just as Jesus was raised. Just as the tomb was rolled away and he was brought into glory by the Father. You're going down dead, but you're coming up alive. It's not just an outward sign of an inward change. I love that. That's a great description for baptism. It is an outward sign of an inward change. But 
But it's more than that. It's a transformation. There have been people, there's been testimonies, I've heard multiple testimonies where people go to get baptized, they get baptized and they come out and every ailment that was in their body before they got baptized was gone. Think about that. Every ailment before, because they went down dead and they came up alive. Newness in Christ. Identity back. Redemption. That's what redemption is. People go in there, get baptized with glasses, come up and they have to take them off because they can't see with the glasses. Sight. Redone. I told you guys at the very beginning, our God breathed into dust and a man came out of it. So why do we put limitations on what he can do? Redemption. We have redemption through his blood. We're made new again. I'm just going to keep reading Romans 6 because that's not even the best part of it. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Amen. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Sounds like what we think our life should be like, right? But we don't know what our identity is. We don't know who we are. We have died to sin, and we're alive to God. See, if, if, I, could have, if I could have five people that had the attitude of Paul that said, to die is gain, to live is Christ... If I could have five people that had that attitude, we could flip this whole nation upside down. You might think I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but, but in Revelation, how did they overcome? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony? And what else? They love not their own life unto death. See, when you know your identity, death no longer scares you. The greatest love is to lay one's life down for his friend. And I'm not... I'm, don't ever think this of me because I'm not preaching from arrogance. I'm not preaching from a place of where you're not. I'm preaching from a place of where you can be. I don't ever want you to get condemnation in your mind when I'm preaching these words because it's the Bible. I just want us to have an understanding of the place that we can be at. I'm, I'm jealous for you guys because... I've discovered all this. I love my life not unto death. Or I love not my life unto death. Flip that around. That's the opposite of what you want to do. Give me five people who don't mind dying for righteousness' sake. Give me five people. And I guarantee you that that revival we've been expecting in this area, see, see, because we're all afraid of persecution, right? We're all afraid of being persecuted. Well, guess what? We're in America. The worst that can happen to you is you get an attitude from somebody. Try it. Tell someone about Jesus. You get an attitude. 
they'll get real mad at you. Well, well, in wherever Saudi Arabia, Syria, they're they're slicing people's heads off for talking about Jesus. So, so you have no right. You have no right to fear persecution. We don't know what persecution is. Jesus, just help us right now to understand this. Help us, Lord. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but grace. What did I start with? We had forgiveness under the law. We had forgiveness by the blood of animals. But we're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. We have redemption now. We never had redemption before. We had forgiveness before. We have redemption now. No longer law, but grace. See, grace isn't, isn't an excuse to keep on sinning. What did he start it out with? Now that grace abounds, does that mean we should still live in sin? By no means. See, I know the things that you guys struggle with. I know. I'm not up here standing in front of you as someone who has lived a perfect life. I'm not standing in front of you right now as someone who hasn't fallen into temptations and the lifestyle of sin. I'm standing in front of you as someone who's been redeemed by the blood and someone who knows his true value because I find my, my identity in him, not by you. I love you guys, I need you guys. We need our brothers and sisters, but we should never find our identity in one another. We always find our identity in Christ. Guys, you can come forward and you guys can get ready to play. We're going we're gonna to finish this up here in a second. I just want to ask you guys one question tonight. What, what area of your life have you been compromising in? Where have you been compromising? Where have you been letting sin reign in your life? Is it, is it just the little things or has it been the big things? Because what, it, what, what verse did I read from you for you guys while I was standing up there and we were still worshiping? He forgives all our iniquities and he forgets all of our sin. He forgets everything that we've ever done. I want everyone to stand to your feet right now.
Jesus said, the pure in heart shall see God. I just told you that I'm not preaching perfection to you, but I'm, pre- I'm preaching purity. And if we've been compromising in any area of sin and there's no guilt about it until you just walked into this place because you can't come into the presence of God and not feel guilty for what you've been doing. But if you came into this house tonight and you're now ashamed of the former things, if you now no longer want to take part in your old lifestyle... I'm going to open these altars up to you right now to pray. And, and it can be you, or, you and God, or it can be you and a leader. I know, I know we had an amazing worship service tonight, but I still feel like there's more in here that need to get stuff off their chest. They need to lay it at the foot of the cross. And they need Jesus to just come and let his blood just wash them clean. So with every eye closed and every head bowed right now, I'm going to count to three and then you can come up. One. Two. Father, I just thank you that in your presence, Lord, there is freedom. And where your spirit abides, Lord, there is freedom. Lord, I thank you that you forget our sins, Lord. I thank you that that your anointing just crushes our burdens and our yokes, God. In Jesus' name, I just pray right now, freedom in this place. Three, come pray. Come lay down whatever you need to lay down right now. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it encouraged you. To go further with today's message or to learn more about Remnant, connect with us online by searching Remnant219 on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We are Remnant. You are Remnant.